0: Hello there ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the Football Podcast. We're talking last week's games, international break, and a little bit of update on our resident clubs. That's right, all the football that you could possibly want in one football podcast. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And uh, yeah, get this podcast out into the world. That's the uh, that's the big one, right? Let's get started. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast Football Podcast.
1: Recording in progress. Welcome along, ladies and gents. Those words that you hear so frequently and fondly are back again for another week. It is, of course, your CookieCast Podcast Network football update for the week. Brought to you by my good self, Mr Andrew Cook, Mr Stuart Woodmansey and Mr Matthew Moore. Bringing you fantastical news from Hull City, Middlesbrough. Nottingham Forest and who could it be this week? Obviously we'll find out in due course. Um, how are you boys doing? Any uh, any any big news or anything you need to share with the group?
2: All, all steady away. Just uh, counting down the days until the busy festive period of uh, football fixtures, obviously not actual festive stuff.
1: Uh, okay. Thanksgiving.
2: I mean, uh, that, that that's a very different podcast than just another another weekend for me
1: to get stuffed at fantasy. So uh. well, 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 get stuffed in some way, shape, or form. It's Thanksgiving. Um, <laughs> anyway, wrong shaped ball. This is the round ball we're going to talk about this week, not the <laughs> uh, egg shaped one. And uh, we'll start with week 15's games that have just occurred. So. Our first game of Week 15 saw Hull City take on Huddersfield Town. Yet another occasion of you being in person, I believe, Mr Woodmansey. Aye, uh, it was a home game, so
2: we were there. Uh, full The full Woodmansey contingent with uh, Mr Walker and uh, Little List as well. Although not so Little List now these days. Uh, but yeah, Yorkshire Derby. Uh, our first one of the season, because we missed the Chef Wednesday game. Uh, but yeah... Hull absolutely dominated the ball, but had very little impact going forward. Uh, there was a spell at the end of the first half where their keeper made a couple of saves from like a couple of shots outside the box, grazed the edge of the left-hand post with a shot, but nothing, nothing really that special. Um, for for all of the passing that Hull sort of you know built into their game these days. Would it really hurt for a few more of them to be just forwards? Is, is kind of my, my question. Uh, the, the goal, there was a goal, was well taken. But we had to wait until the 92nd minute. Uh, it was the uh, lap on the half volley into the bottom right-hand corner. Um, to, this, to this point in the game, Hull had 20 shots five of which were on target. Huddersfield had two shots, only one of which was on target. The possession stats were probably some of the highest I've ever seen for a Hull game, in the sense of Hull had 76% possession. Um, And and because I, I was that bored after watching it, um, I even looked at the passing stats and Hull had 753 completed passes to Huddersfield's 240, so like three times as
1: many passes, which is just like... Yeah. The best, the, the best thing about that is that Collins not even in charge of that club anymore. Meh.
2: Well, new manager bounce has not really happened for them, has it? Because uh, obviously they put Darren Moore in and they've not... The, Huddersfield didn't didn't have anything at all other than. I don't know if you've seen him, they've got a striker called Hudlin. Oh, he's, and he's, he's, he's six foot
1: nine, I think. He would be better suited playing basketball. He is huge. So, so, I think he's a, so I think he's officially the tallest outfield player to ever play in the English League. So he's the same He's the same height as. Do you remember there was a keeper who played for uh, Man City and Sunderland called Costal Pantelimon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was massive. I think he was on loan at Forest for a while, for a while wasn't he? Mm. Maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, he was. Absolutely massive. He's the same height as him. And I think them two are officially the tallest people to ever play professionally in England. Well, Huddersfield,
2: right off the bat, lined up 4-5-1. And you were like, well, we know where this is going. <laughs> and... So- not only did everybody sat in the stands know where it was going, everybody on the pitch thankfully knew where it was going and that's the only plan they had was just to lump it up forward to the big guy um, and City just dealt with it. It was, it, it might as well have been a training game for them, to be honest, the like, city amount of passing and stuff that was going on and it feels weird to say that. I just wish we had a bit more going forwards. Um, but yeah, ultimately... The goal probably masks a few problems there, uh, but it
1: was a one-nil win with Delap scoring the goal. Very nice. Obviously, obviously, like you say, you had to wait for a while for the goal to come through. But when it does, obviously, one—it's one of those games where you, as it ticks over to 90 minutes, you're thinking, "Can't believe we wasted an afternoon like coming to watch that." And then obviously, when the last-minute winner gets slammed in. Um, that that all changes, and you forget the uh, the dross that you watched for the ninety minutes before that, and all replaced with you know ecstasy. Shall we say? Dross
2: is dross is probably too strong because like at least they're playing football. I mean, God, years ago it would have just been head tennis for the entire match. So I, I mean, in that regard, I really shouldn't complain too much. But Rossini has gotten has gotten playing, but. I does it come from the fact that he was a defender all of his career? Like the the premise is, if granted, if you've got hold of the ball, the opposition can't score, but you still need to have some impetus going forward. Otherwise, you're never going to win a game. Mm. Um, but patience paid off, I guess, in the end. So yeah. it's one of them ones where nobody will
1: remember the game, but everybody will just remember we got the points. So yeah, you been, you mentioned something that I've always found a bit interesting. This so you said obviously that uh a senior being a defender maybe that might influence his attacking his like his managerial style from like an attacking sense and stuff like that i've always kind of wondered if defenders would make the best striking coaches and vice versa because obviously you can tell so say if you were a defender you can tell strikers what you hated to play against and coach him to do that sort of thing. Like it's just, the, just the thought. I've, I've I've thought it for a while. To be fair, um, and it's just you, you never really sort of see it. So obviously, there's a reason why that's not the case. Um, yeah. But it's just something I've always thought would be interesting to sort of like ask. Um, well, it makes it makes a lot of sense. It's um, it, like it, it it's logical. Um, yeah. I suppose the, the the argument being is obviously like when you stop playing then the game itself sort of moves on and what you found difficult as a defender might be what the next sort of generation finds easier. So I don't know, it's 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 all it's always gonna be sort of like, you know
2: you're Gromit- always gonna get Gromit-
1: ups and down and stuff like that. From Russini is sort of point though. Yeah, he
2: stopped playing, but he's never really been out of the game, has he? Because like the no, second that he stopped, he was he was a, like an assistant or like a you know a youth team coach, whatever. He's never he's never had an extended period away. So uh, he's, still, he's still, in managerial terms, a very young guy. Like he's got he's got a long way to go yet. And uh, we did we did actually take over. Um, I think was it last podcast? It was a, like a year since he took over at City. So it's you know he's, he's doing something right because he's kept his job all that time and and
1: uh, it's Absolutely. he's not going anywhere anytime soon. No, I think it's it's, um, it's actually a problem. It, it must have been within like a week or two of each other, but obviously um, Carrick's been in charge of the borough for just over a year now as well. So. Um, uh yeah we, we didn't even cover that on the podcast so they've both been in charge for for about a year or so. um predictions wise we all got points on this one as we all had varying degrees of whole city wins um i had a 2-0 uh with twide and syed manesh to score so no goal scorer points just the correct result score for me uh steward gone for a 2-1 with Dalap and christie and Wiles to score for Huddersfield Town, so gets himself two points for the result and the DeLapp goal. Matt had gone for 3-1 with DeLap, Connolly, Slater and Hellick to score for Huddersfield, so again, gets himself a bonus point for the goal scorer. Mr Cook had guessed 1-0 Hull City with DeLap to score the goal. So I've done the uh, I've done the disservice there of uh, not just giving him three points. I've decided to double his points because he got that exactly spot on. So I've given Andy six points for that particular game. I can
0: Nothing only pro- I can only thing. presume those six points affect this week's scoring not one jot.
1: Well, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to the end. Um, so that's, uh, that's after your first game myself one point, Stuart Matt two points Andy on a whopping six points our second game of the week takes us to Siders, where Middlesbrough take on West City and that is a Leicester City team that is leading the championship no less um, however they were coming off the back of only their second loss of the season um, to um, a team that we don't even really need to talk about from West Yorkshire um a game that sort of—I think a lot of people had down as a as a tight contest. I think uh, a lot of people thought that Leicester would re- re- find it tough against the Michael Carrick team, but would probably bounce back. Um, and from the from the sort of the clips, oh, i didn't go to the game, but um, from the clips that I saw, it sounded like the first half was mainly mainly all Leicester. Um, they had a couple of opportunities to score, a couple of good saves from the goalkeeper, a couple of ones just flashed wide. Um, the best chance looked like it felt to Keenan Duresbury uh, Hall um, who drew a good save from Senny De Eng um, themselves had chances to score in the first half um, since you remember a, a Matt Crooks effort after having to be palmed around the post um, but it went nil, It was nil nil at half time um, carried on in similar, a similar vein in the second half but Burrow almost had changed their approach from a like a front foot uh, being on the front foot and pressing, passing and, and you know, trying to sort of pin, uh, pin the team in. And they'd almost taken the approach of they'd let Leicester have the ball and try and counter attack. Um and it, and it obviously seemed to work. Um Leicester had a had a couple more chances in the second half. They had one uh, cleared off the line. There was a chance where Ian Nacho hit the post. Um the ball just rebounded straight into Cenny St. Dang's gloves. Um, but the game itself was won 83rd minute with what can only be described as an absolute peach of a, of a free kick from 25 yards out by Sam Greenwood, um, very much looking like the, uh, the the bargain loan player of the season. Um, and it's uh, there's been reports that have been going around that apparently in the, in the terms of the loan agreement is that the uh, the, the can be turned into a permanent. For as little as £1.5 million, Um, which, given the fact that he's got at least sort of like two or three goals already in the games that he's played, I would be very surprised if they don't look at at least inquiring about making that a permanent in the January transfer window. Because if he scores more, I would imagine he will have supers from potentially lower Premier League level clubs or certainly high end championship clubs. For the second half of the season, that free kick wasn't just a peach as you described
2: it; it was an absolute rocket as well. Oh like, yeah! One of, the, one
1: had, of those one of those to efforts that up speed as it hit the, as it hit the net, which is a bit of a strange one because obviously normally they're either just floated over the just floated over the wall and just sort of beat the keeper. For that one, he'd, uh, he'd, he'd he'd give it some welly. To, uh, to say that he just uh, he smashed him in the top corner. The keeper had no chance with it. He was past him before he could, speak, before he could move, to be fair. Um, from a predictions perspective, uh, only one person had the confidence to put Burrow down for a win. And it was, of course, the podcast's own Captain Positivity himself, Mr Andrew Cook, had gone for a 2-1 Middlesbrough win uh, sadly, didn't have the Greenwood down as a goal scorer, so just gets the point for the result. Um, I had gone, oh, sorry, Stewart gone for a 2 0 Leicester win, uh, Dewsbury Hall and Mavadidi to score, so obviously he was very disappointed with uh, Senny Diang saving Keenan Dewsbury Hall's uh, effort in the first half. I had gone for a 2 1 Leicester win, Colburn to score for the Borough, Mavadidi and Ian Accio to score for Leicester, so I was obviously annoyed when he hit the post, but obviously not really, because I'd much prefer to have the three points. Um, Matt had gone also for a 2-1 Leicester win. Ian Acho and McAteer to score for Leicester. And Greenwood to score for the Borough. So bags into a little bonus goal-score point there. So just Matt and Andy getting on the board in that game. Our third game of the week saw Andy's latest squeeze of Wigan Athletic in the, the, taking, the, taking the field away at Cheltenham Town. Uh, this one petered out to a 1-1 draw uh, with Serpum scoring for uh, Cheltenham. She was, uh, showed some precision there, old Serkham. Um And uh, Freestone with an own goal for Wigan uh, to make the game 1-1. Uh, predictions-wise, i had gone for a thumping 3-0 Wigan win. Didn't pick any of the goal scorers as uh, obviously Freestone. Plays for Cheltenham. Um... Matt had gone for a 2-1 Wigan win. Um, sadly, again, did not pick either Circum or Freestone with the goals. Uh, Mr Cook, however, had gone for a 1-0 Cheltenham win. Um, with Goodwin to score. No points there. Um, Mr Stuart Woodmansey, however, had gone for a 1-1 draw in this. Goodwin and Adiko to get the goals, So no goal scoring bonus. But does get two points for the correct score, well played to you, sir. Our next game of the week saw West Ham United taking on Nottingham Forest. This one was live on Sky. Um, I, I believe you may have even had the uh, had the opportunity to see part of this, Mister Moore. Is that correct? Uh, you, I mean, you can watch it on your
3: <clears throat> you can watch the goals on your phone live. Oh, like Sky customer. So it gives you a nice little. Um, as as uh, I missed I missed the start, but kindly my phone had its notifications on, and it uh, Paquetta scores after horrendous uh, Dominguez uh, pass, and I was like, oh error! I was like, wonderful, what a fantastic start! So yes, Forest made the journey down to West Ham. Should have thought about this last week. I read in the fact uh, in the report it's the first time that. West Ham have won since the thirtieth of September, so we should have marked that one down as a. If you ever need, if your club ever needs to get get itself out of a rut, send one of our clubs down to help that help help kind of grease that wheel, as it were. Um, So yeah, as I've alluded to already, um, so Nico Dominguez got the ball mid half, I think. Tried, I mean, tried like a nice little dinked pass. I think was meant. It was meant to go out to the right. But, um, but I, to start an attack. I think Forrester had back a decent start to the game. Uh however he kinda of scuffed it, it hit the back of Sangare and went straight to Paqueta, who's probably West Ham's best player, who just kind of glid, glided to the edge of the eighteen yard box and stuck it in the bottom right bottom left hand corner of the net. So yeah, one nil, cracking start. Um I think from there, Forest always kind of grew into the game, um, culminating in just before half-time, a one um scoring uh, again. It's Sangari, who's kind of reported you know, starting to kind of get into the into into the flow of English football, and kind of starting to look like the reason, you know, the reason why we got him is like a break, break up the ball, break break up the play, carry the ball, play the pass. And that's basically what he did with this one. Picked up the ball, won the ball in, in centre in mid, uh, carried the ball forward, passed it to Gibbs White, who had a shot on goal. It was parried. And a one year, I think when I text you guys, he kind of has this ability of being in the right place at the right time, but making the finish look absolutely shocking. I think he had a header not long before the goal. And you saw the header He you thought, oh, that's a cracking header. It's like a textbook header. And the, and the West townkeeper keeper saved it. you're like, oh, man. And then he scores that goal, which kind of just bobbled in in a really kind of weird way. Um, so, yeah, half-time, one each. Um, then, well, 60, 60 minutes, 62 minutes. Uh, again, I think Aina down the side. Um, good attacking move by Forrest. Played in. Cut back and Alanga slotted it in. Uh, nice finish, bit of a wild celebration. Don't know why. Don't know if West Ham fans have been giving him pelters or what. But it was a slightly over the top celebration for just taking a one goal lead midway through the second half. Um, shirt off, tracker off, all that kind of thing. Booking. Um, then next thing you know, so then two minutes, two three minutes later. Um, yeah, and, and we talked about this on the Saturday, there was a problem last season, I think it was a problem the season before, Forest um, can't defend set pieces, and when you've got a player like James Ward, Prowse can deliver a ball on a sixpence, and kind of, yeah, as, as the commentary says, Jared Bowen, who's not the
0: tallest person, and by looking at him, when you look in the box, when
3: the ball is played in, no, 100% is not the tallest person in the box, Managed to rise up and knock head it in, so that was two each, and then, spoiler well, alert, ninety-seven minutes, so seven minutes of added time. Another Ward Prowse uh, corner, and Suchek got on the end of it for Forrest to throw away, throw away a point, and th- three points really. Um, kind of reports from um, kind of from everywhere is that Cooper doesn't lose his shit very often, but apparently it was well and truly lost in the uh, was it London Stadium on Sunday afternoon because he was not impressed at all. Um, I think I text you lads criticising him for making uh, defensive substitutions. Slight apology. A worrying one, Murillo is injured, so that's apparently why he took Murillo off um, and bought Bolly on, which you would have thought, considering he's a tall guy, would have helped with the defending. Ah, uh, not so much. Um, so yeah, three-two loss, disappointing, but a bit of progress as well. Kind of trying to look for that silver lining in it, but still, they threw away a winning position. Probably through over exuberance
1: on celebrating, going two-one up. Yeah, it's probably one of those weird ones, isn't it? Like Forest, obviously the main like, the main issue last season was scoring goals away from home, and that's 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 absolutely not the case this season. Like they seem to be able to get the goals on the road and like And like obviously it's just keeping them out at the other end, which is is causing the issue. It's, it's still the problem. Yeah, and like this, this, the the Supercheck goal was. Yeah, just one of those classic ones where it's like, "Oh god, it's just like someone's obviously had like the breakdown and the communication of who's supposed to be marking what." I don't know if they do, I can't remember if they do man-to-man marking or if they do zonal marking at the Forest. I can't remember, but obviously someone. Uh, uh, but by, by the evidence of the way they
3: defend
1: set pieces, neither. <laughs> <laughs> just marking. Someone, Someone blew the assignment anyway, and they, they yeah, because yeah. it was pretty much unmarked. He was able to get up on the back of somebody else to just plant think, his header in the back in, in the, the back stick. So I, I, I've not seen I've not seen the Suchet goal
3: like to kind of really kind of drill down on who missed the assignment on that one. Danilo missed his assignment for the Bowen one. He was marking Bowen, and Bowen just got away from him quickly um, for his. And I mean, I don't want to make excuses for him. I like you because know, I quite I like him and I think he's a good player. Uh, but he is coming back from an injury and he's been out a while, so I think can't kind of pick. And he he come on as a substitute as well, not long after at, at half-time for Dominguez. Um, so he kind of lost his man a little bit on that one. Um, yeah. But you know, Ward Prowse is, does deliver a, a cracking set
1: piece. So we're always Absolutely. Gonna um, predictions wise um, Mr. Mr. Cook was once again the most optimistic here and had gone for a 2-1 Nottingham Forest win so for a, for a time being he was bang on the money um, he had Antonio to score for West Ham but a one year and a Langer to score oh. for Nottingham Forest so not only did he get 1 he, got, he did got both the goal scorers in the correct order uh, so 2 points for Mr. Cook to the goal scorers um, I'd gone for a 2-2 draw so, if Suchek hadn't have popped up in the last minute, I'd have been spawned, which is quite annoying. Uh, I'd gone for Bowen and Antonio to score for West Ham, a one yi and Gibbs-White to score for Forest, So, I get myself two bonus points from the goal scorers there as well. Stu and Matt had both gone for 2-1 West Ham wins, so bag themselves a point for the result. Um, they'd both picked Bowen and Antonio to score for West Ham, so a bonus point there. Stu had picked a one yi to score for Forest. Matt had picked Gibbs white to score for Forest. so Stu Bags at three points from that one Matt two our last game of the week was another game for Andy's boys Wigan this one was taking place in the EFL trophy um, I, I, I'm sure I'd seen something that it's been given a new sponsor but I can't for the life of me remember what the new sponsor is it's not the Papa John's trophy anymore which is obviously incredibly frustrating, as, um, you know, who doesn't love a little bit of pizza now and then? Uh, yeah, somebody else getting get a slice of the action now, at least. Uh. Oh, there it is. There it is, ladies and gentlemen, your long-awaited Dad Joke of the Week. <laughs> uh, While Whilst Mr. Murray's uh, doing the, uh, the due diligence that I should have carried out to find the sponsor of that trophy, I'll just go through the predictions. Um, this one was it sounded like it was a bit of a dull one and just petered out to a 0-0 nil, nil draw um, in this in this competition though they do play um, a penalty shootout for a bonus point they still get the point each for the draw but they do get a bonus point for whoever wins the penalty shootout and Wigan actually did win the penalty shootout on this one, 6-5 on pens so I've I've, uh, I've I've recorded it as a draw because that's what it was to all intents and purposes um, I'd gone for a Wigan win Stu had gone for a Wigan win. Matt had gone for a Wigan win. Andy had gone for a Tranmere win. So no one gets any points. Because uh, no one got the draw. Uh, so the points stay as they were. Uh, Mr. Boat. The, the Bristol Street Motors t- Trophy. That's what it was. A sponsor that. No one's going to know what it means. Uh, but there you are. So. All that means. Is that for the week. After five games, I came last, sadly, with a whopping three points. Uh, Matt got five points for the week, so a point per game on average. Uh, Stu ended the week with seven points. Very, very, very well done. Uh, But Andy does take the win with nine points. Obviously, six of that taken from the very first game. So, Andy gets the win this week with nine points. That puts an end to week 15. We have got week 16's predictions to do, and it is international week this week. So only England games to cover, sadly. So there's only two of those, so not as many predictions for us to go through. We are going to take a small break just to uh, maybe think about what we've all put down as our predictions, and then we'll go through those in the second half of the podcast. Don't you you touch that down, though. We'll be right back after this short interlude. Recording in progress. Yes, indeed. Welcome back on in, ladies and gentlemen. So, week, four, t- sorry, week 15, done and dusted in the books. Week 16, as we said before, international break. So, no Middlesbrough, no Forest, no Hull games. Not even any Wigan games for us to discuss. So, it's just England we're going to talk about this week. So, England have two European Championship 2024 qualifiers to play. Now I can I can already hear some of you uh, crying. But Paul, didn't they already qualify for that tournament a couple of weeks ago? And you'd be absolutely correct in thinking that. Yes, they had. They qualified with two games to spare. But obviously, they can't just not turn up. They can't just not turn up for those games. They have to do it. They do indeed have to play them still. Um, So the first of those games, we'll see England. Versus world powerhouse of football, Malta. Tough game for England. That's why they picked a strong, strong squad. What do we think, lads, is going to be the outcome of England versus Malta? I can only presume it's double figures in the Malta scoring column, yes? Let's go to Mr. Moore for the first Pick of week sixteen. What have you got, sir? Sorry, I was just checking to see if they were actually playing it at Wembley Stadium. They are playing it at
3: Wembley Stadium. Oh yes. I mean, if it's full, I'd be shocked. I mean, ah, why no. on earth you would pay any money to go and watch that? I genuinely,
2: it could be in my back garden, and I might shut the curtains for this one. It'll be full because they'll be giving loads of tickets away to like kids' football teams and schools and stuff. I don't have a problem with that, though. No, no, no. No, 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 no. But
3: he'll be full. Yeah. I'm sure if you speak to Tony Khan, there'll be lots of connections for, to, for them play, to hand out tickets to. too. I mean, yeah, that's Paul, Paul's rumour. Um, <laughs> I have gone for a 7-0 England win and I think I've probably gone a little bit shy on the score, to be honest.
1: <laughs> Cold scorers.
3: Captain Stat Padder for three. Harry Kane, if anyone was unsure. (laughs) Yep. I've got Ollie Watkins getting a couple as well coming on. Perhaps I'm getting a couple later on. Yep. Uh, Maybe one for Cole Palmer making his debut. Yep. And one for Declan Rice. I was just like, it was names out of a hat, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean... You wouldn't be surprised if he, if he uses this game as, a, as an opportunity to use. So, let like, have a look at some of the fringe players that he might not know whether he wants to take to the European Championships or not. But one thing you can guarantee is that Cap- uh, Captain Kane will indeed start, maybe not finish the game. Andy, what have you gone for in this first of two mammoth tasks for England?
0: I just went with a 2-0 for England.
1: Goal scorers? Uh,
0: Kane and I've gone with Rashford for Tuller One.
1: Now I did read something today that said apparently Marcus Rashford and um, everyone's favourite holding midfielder who's definitely playing week in and week out, of course that would be Calvin Phillips, were uh, scheduled to join up with the squad later in the week due to family reasons. Um, but I don't think that would affect his, his, his being ready to play, to be fair. He's fit. He's playing for his club side, so I would imagine... Well, it doesn't even matter, does it, if you're uh, if you're in England, so you don't even have to be playing for your club side, apparently. But don't worry about that, because he definitely picks on form. <clears throat> uh, but, um, you know, he definitely picks on form, so um, that's that's fine. Uh, Stu, what have you got for this one? Uh, I've got a Conservative, England
2: 3, Malton nil. Um, I'm actually not sure if Kane will start because he didn't last time. I think they brought him on. Uh, I, I wonder if he's maybe either learned that lesson or if um, perhaps now that he's gone to Germany, he's factoring in the travel and all the rest of it potentially. Who knows? But yeah, I've gone for Bowen, Foden and Watkins on the basis of, I think it'll be, Two, two of the two of the newer guys, and one of the younger guys who gets in and out of the team, sort of fairly regularly. So I, I think they'll. I think I think all three of those will will probably start the game. So yeah, I've I've gone for effectively a striker and two attacking midfielders.
1: Yeah, can't disagree with it. To be honest with you, I have gone very similar. Uh, I've kind of gone in the middle of you all. Really, I've gone for a five niller. Um I disagree. I think Kane will start, he's the captain, so if he's fit, he probably starts, get this one out of the way and then give him the rest for the North Macedonia game, which we'll come to in a second. So I've gone for Kane to get a hat-trick, same as Matt, um, and then I've gone for one each for Watkins and Bowen. I imagine like it's, it's the sort of game where you'd like to think that if he starts it, maybe Bowen can get a goal to sort of get that monkey off his back. And then he can start to play for England like he plays for West Ham. And has played for Hull in the past, dare we Mm. say Yeah, indeed. Our, as I've I've just said there, our second and final game of the week sees North Macedonia taking on England. Um, similar again for me. I I think it's, it's a fairly straight, should be a fairly straightforward one for him, to be honest with you. Shouldn't have too much to worry about. Um. And if they don't, it's not the end of the world, if they lose it. But I have gone from to win 3-0 on this one. I've gone for Rashford, Saka and Rice to get the goals. Andy, what have you got for this one?
0: Uh, same again, 2-0 England.
1: Uh, I've got
0: Kane again, uh, but I've also got Saka. Matt?
3: gone for a 3-0 England win. The goal <clears throat> Captain Stat uh, Bowen.
1: And Grealish. <clears throat> Jack... Cards... Grealish. You have the uh, honour of giving us the last prediction of the week.
2: Bit of a bit of a mix and match of all of it again. I've gone um, North Macedonia nil, England two, and I've got Rashford and feel dirty saying it, but Jack Grealish as well.
1: I used to dislike Grealish, and then for some reason he seemed to actually sort of start putting the effort in. In his second season at Man City, and I've kind of come round to the, the idea that he's actually not that bad now. To be honest with you, he seems, seems like a decent be- guy off the pitch. I think that's the thing that's kind of turned it round for
3: me more. He seems to just—it sounds daft because—and I, I, it's like when you say it, I think, oh, yeah, he loves being a footballer, but he seems to genuinely love being a footballer, and not the kind of twatty. I mean, he likes the lifestyle and the. Fancy cars and the fancy clothes and all that kind of thing, but he just seems to like being a footballer. He just seems to really kind of like and the, the kind of community stuff as well. I think that's the thing that turned me around. Like, he seems to just be a nice guy.
2: Yeah. I'd love to know what all his mates from back home would say when they, uh, the first time they saw him wearing a bloody Alice band on TV, though, because uh, <laughs> I can't imagine that he wouldn't have caught for something for that, but regardless, now I'm. He's, he's one of them players where he'll forever be noted as a decent footballer, but he'll be better when he plays for your team than against your team because he's a niggly little person. Yeah, it's the, the Jack Russell element, isn't it? But um, well, yeah, I suppose that's true. It's the foul. It's the foul
1: buying would be the kind of part of it. That's <laughs> you know what, I, I, again, I would have, I, about a year and a half ago, I would have agreed on that one, but when you watch some games, he doesn't half get booted, to be
3: fair. He does get booted, but he, he also does the stopping, like dribbling, and then stopping all of a sudden, and then he's like, oh no, I got fouled again. I thought Matt
2: was going to go, yeah, he does get booted, but he doesn't half deserve it. <laughs> was I thought
1: that was going there for a second. <laughs> Ah, oh, so that's all our predictions done. One uh, one side note, just from a personal perspective, um, I will be in attendance at A-game this weekend. However, it is not in the Football League. It is, of course, the return of York City versus Hartlepool United in the league for the first time in seven years. Ooh. I can hear everyone collectively holding their breath with excitement. Uh, yes. Obviously, uh, York and Hartlepool have not been in the same division for a uh, for a number of years now. Um, however, York getting promoted two seasons ago, and sadly, Hartlepool being relegated at the end of last season they're now both in the Conference National. Um, so this is the first of the two meetings this season, and it does take place at York's LNER Community Stadium, and uh, I'll be in attendance with uh, with the uh, with the rest of Clan Williams. Um, this is even the uh, the first uh, the first footballing opportunity for a young Master Williams. It'll be oh, t- very nice. T- in his first away game, so that should be uh, quite an experience for him. So we'll have to. Uh, if the game if the game pans out as a terrible nil nil or York do a number on pulls, it won't get mentioned next week. But obviously, if it's a good game, I might I might give my thoughts on it next week. Obviously, we won't do any predictions on it. As it doesn't really affect the podcast as such, but just thought I'd drop in there that I was actually going to a game this weekend. Very nice.
2: Oy, um, I put a little bit together based around a text message from Mister Cook earlier in the uh, day about about where we are now.
1: Yeah, I, I was just going to bring that up. Obviously, Mister Cook has suggested that with it being an international break and obviously not being around. Too many predictions to go through. We, uh, we each take a little time to uh, sort of go through like a little bit of a mid-season report, as it were. What the uh, what our teams are doing, what they can do better, um, where they need to improve, where they've been good, all that sort of jazz. If you've got yours ready to go, you 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 dive in, sir. so
2: I'm not shy about <laughs> telling you how I feel about the way that they play at times. But I think this was quite a, an eye-opener in terms of me taking a bit of stock in, in some respects because I actually looked up where we were in the table at this time last year. So um, bear in mind, like I said before, Liam Rossini has now been in charge for a year. He's had two solid transfer windows to, to get bodies in and out, sort of shape the team a little bit more as he wants it. Uh, so this time last year we were 20th. Currently, it in 8th. Level on points with 6th. So level on points with the playoffs. So very, very happy with the league position. That That's not a drama at all. The team seemingly all know how Liam Rossini wants to play. Even if we can't do it for 90 minutes every week just yet. Um, but it's getting there it's, I suppose it's always been a bit of a work in progress but in terms of where can we improve absolutely desperate for a left back that can defend um, we've got we've got left backs that can attack not a problem there but uh, whether it's um, Vinagra just clearing off into the front row of the stand because he just doesn't seem to stop going forwards uh, or Cyrus Christie going up and then having a little rest before he comes back again. Um, some might deem that unfair. He's a big lad; like he's he's good at what he does, but he's he, he, he leaves gaps. Some people will say that we have that on the right as well because Coyle does the same. Although one thing I have noticed from last season to this season is that he seems to, on the right. Coyle seems to have had an instruction of once you've got to the halfway line. Couple of more meters and then you stop. He used to bomb the full length of the pitch if you'd let him, and now he, he doesn't. He seems to get to that point and sort of have a look around, and, and rather than trying to keep skinning him down the right and put the ball in, he, he's looking for a pass just over the halfway line. So something something has changed in that regard. So he's not leaving quite as much of a gap at right back. Um, genuinely, as things are going, if they really want to. They could make a push for playoffs. I don't, I don't think anywhere near the top two would ever be anywhere near realistic. But if they really want to push for the playoffs, they're going to have to get the right people in through the door in January. Who those right people are, I have no idea. Um, that's what Rossini's job is. Plus, there'll clearly be some scouting going on in the Turkish League somewhere. um, <laughs> or, or players that you used to play in Turkey, um, but yeah, that's we'll we'll see. But yeah, I, I, a couple of strikers and a left back would I'd be very happy with. Uh, as much as it pains me to say this, uh, Connolly came on at the weekend as a as a substitute and got taken off again because he got injured again. So I'm not. There was, he didn't stub his toe this time though it was an actual legitimate thing um, but that it, that worries me because he's not he's, he's not going to be your main striker out and out he's, he's best used as an impact player I think um, we need somebody that can start up front with the lap, not somebody that's just constantly having to support the one player, somebody who can rotate at the front and one of them take the lead then one drop back and so on and so forth um, but yeah, quite happy at the moment left back, two strikers and a plan B from passing out from the back every time, would be nice but
1: other than that, pretty happy to be honest Very nice um, I'll, I'll carry on, we might as well stick in the championship and we'll leave the uh, the big boys the big boys of the Premier League to finish off the podcast shall we um, I'd say, I'd probably echo most of what you've said there for the borough, so I mean, given how catastrophic the start of the season was obviously so pre-season they were being talked about as you know, second favourites to win the league, up there with the teams that had come down as the favourites to even win the, the, the division and so like that. it was looking like it was basically playoffs as an absolute minimum but there was talk obviously they could be one of the ones that were looking at automatic promotion, and to say that they, they'd lost, I think it was six, uh, five of the first six. There's war the War Coventry, Musprung, QPR, Blackburn. Yeah, they'd lost five of the first six games. After six games, they had one point on the ball, which was a home draw with Huddersfield. And considering how terrible they've been, um, it wasn't looking great. They then got a draw against Sheffield Wednesday. And then since then, they've only actually lost once that was the uh, the 2 0 reverse at Hull Stoke, which came a bit out of the blue, but was a blip, um, and they've since been able to obviously bounce back and have beaten the team that's currently top of the league. Look like they were running away with it. So to say how bad the start to the season was, to say that they're now currently in, a, in tenth position, two points off Hull, and therefore two points again off the playoffs. Um, I'd say it's been a remarkably good turnaround and obviously the um, the thing that I think a lot of people failed to take into account was the, the sheer amount of turnover of players. Obviously, the players that when Carrick came in last season, he had to obviously make do with what he had until the January transfer window when he brought in the likes of Cameron Archer up top, um, Aaron Ramsey to, to play behind and a couple of others here and there. Um, the left-back changed um, they lost, they've lost one of the centre-halves that was playing last season um, they've, they've, they've had an awful lot of change in, in the team obviously you take out the 28 goals that Rat scored in the league They're all, they were always going to struggle at the start of the season because they had to bed in the new players that seems to have happened now um, and obviously the teams the, the, the players that they've got now seem to be used to playing the style of football that Carries wanted them to play and as we discussed with the Leicester game they even had the option to play not on the front foot, let Leicester dictate the sort of the play, soak up the pressure, and then obviously they've hit him on the counter attack by getting a free kick in the dangerous area. And Sam Greenwood's absolutely spanked it in the back of the net. So um, I think, very similarly to Hull, they're, they're very short in the striking areas. They've literally got two strikers on the books that can play as the front guy Coburn and Latte Lath, and it seems to be whoever starts the other one will come on from around the sort of 60 to 65 minute mark so i would be very very surprised if they don't go in for at least one if not two striking options in the uh, in the German transfer window potentially making greenwoods loan and permanent if they're able to do that and then just a couple of a couple of decent acquisitions maybe in the center of the park to take a bit of the strain off hayden hackney because he's pretty much playing every game unless he's suspended um yeah, I think it's it's all shaping up nicely. If they can just keep on this run of getting sort of like two points from every game, it sort of seems to sort of average out from the last sort of like 10, then they should they should be there or thereabouts for, uh, for, for playoffs. And if one of Leicester, Ipswich or Leeds do sort of drop off, they might be able to sort of capitalise and get into that second position. But I'd say similar to Stu, um, Happy with how it's gone so far, and I'll pass over to Matthew to uh, for one of a better phrase, finish us off. <laughs> <Wait. clears throat> <laughs> I mean, I just did a quick kind of look there.
3: So, after 12 games last, I mean, it was kind of surprising to be honest because I thought there was going to be a massive difference between where we are at this point in this season where we were last season, but actually, after 12 games last season, we we're on nine points, we're on 13 now. But we're seven points above the relegation zone, whereas we were bottom after twelve games last year. Uh, with a minus a goal difference of minus fifteen, it's minus four now, and we're three points away from tenth. So I, I know I come on the podcast sometimes and I'm a bit kind of miserable about it. But I think as a team they are making progress. There's, like we said, you know, we said earlier they're scoring goals away, which last season. You know, it was a constant fucking thing on every single comment commentary, every punditry thing about oh they haven't scored away from home since. They-. That thing is out the window. Um, still, you know, obviously they've got the home form still the key. Um, I think when they're at home, they're confident. The kind of uh, the way that Forest the, the way Forest play suits so home kind of, you know they've got to shore things up and pick the odd point up here and there away from home and I think they will start to do that against the teams that are around them. Um I
0: think you know I say it I've said it a few times already. I think it's the influx of players. It's another
3: fourteen players that came in over the summer. Um who knows how many will come in, in the in the January window. Hopefully not too many because I don't think we actually need them many. I think we probably need a defender and maybe a striker, which I know is like, oh, right. okay, let's go and get a striker, that's dead easy to do. Um, but I think those two things, you know, because if Taiwo gets injured, we're screwed. Oh, and spoiler this. he's going to the Africa Cup of Nations for four or five weeks. So that'll be the kind of thing I just don't think Wood was starting to show signs of, uh, of settling in at Forest. Uh, before he got injured, Arigi is—I mean, some of the photos that you see of him—he has been enjoying the Italian lifestyle, shall we say? Pizza and pasta has definitely suited him, lifestyle-wise. Maybe not career football kind of wise. Stout would be—yeah, uh, would be—would uh, be a phrase I would use. Um, but yeah. You know, so I think some players, some players are really settling in. Alanga's starting to look like he's settling into the team. Fangare and Dominguez look good aside mistakes from this weekend aside. <sighs> hopefully Gibbs White will start he's had a really poor start to the season. He seems to really kind of come into the season with a bit of a hangover from the England under twenty ones and stuff like that. Um hopefully yeah, hopefully he can settle down a bit. Um, Danilo coming back is going to be key I think Um, but yeah I kind of if you would have asked me like a couple of weeks ago I'd have been like yeah let's go kind of thing I think the past two three weeks have kind of tempered that enthusiasm a little bit I think there's a kind of right okay these next five games we've got some big games against some teams that are around us or teams that we should be aiming towards Everton, Brighton Bullham I think, are coming up and some another team. We've got the Spuds on the at the end of that five match run. Um but you know, I think the next four or five games are gonna be really telling to see where our season's going. Is it gonna go upwards or is it gonna stay about where it is, or is it gonna turn into possibly a relegation fight, which would be a worry. Cause then the trigger happy owner might come out of the
1: kind of out of the uh, um, storage, shall we say. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Moore, for the uh, little update there. Thank you, uh, Stu, for your whole update. Um, Like you say, nice idea by Andy there, just to give you sort of a little sort of update as to how we're sort of feeling. And and probably for the first time ever on the podcast, generally positive across the board. Nice change. Thank you once again, gents, for uh, for joining me to, uh, to go through the uh, ins and outs, ups and downs of our respective clubs. Uh, thank you to all of you listeners and watchers. Um, yeah, thanks very much. Get in touch. Let us know. Do you want to – should we talk more about the uh, the uh, the goings-on at the club rather than just the games? Let us know. Let us know many changes you'd like us to make to the show. But, um, yeah, that'll, that'll do it for another week. Uh, join us again next week where we'll go through the England games hopefully if it's a, a whopping pools win I'll uh, get to uh, recant all of the goals blow by blow minute by minute uh, but obviously if, if York have won then uh, that game never existed so uh, but we'll see thanks again once again and uh, until next week we'll see you later party ball
0: so there we go what do you think that something a little bit different this week always good to mix it up keep it fresh before we go just want to thank you for being here listening watching being a part of it Uh, if i can ask you a couple of favors please do like share subscribe and comment leave a review where you can leave a review check out the website thecookiecast.com there we've got some social media links and an email button and that way you can get in touch with us that's it for this one Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then.
3: Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe.